Welcome to the Pabones and BK, the business of family and fashion. I am Michaela Pabone. I'm Jerry Pabone. And we are married. Yeah. And we work together. Yes. In this lovely space here that we call hashtag BK. Yes. We're in the media room recording this podcast. Um, I think the topic of this conversation that we wanted to share, uh, let me actually back up. So how we come up with these topics to talk about, what you're really about to witness and have witnessed in other episodes, this is like just how we talk to each other on the couch. Yeah, or in the car. Or in the car. So this conversation we wanted to have is just about timing, timing of things as it relates to our work experiences, uh, how Dressed and Joy came together, how we came together in our relationship uh, and our family, and just like where we are now. Because in my opinion, timing has a lot to do with success and failure. Yeah. You can be really good at something and start a business in a recession and that business is going to fail and it has nothing to do with you. You can have a okay idea or a really good idea and under the right circumstances, that business can flourish. So, you know, there have been many times in my life where I, let's say back when I was, you know, working for clothing companies under people, I would see them in these positions, making a lot of money, mm-hmm. traveling the world, a bunch of stuff, and can't wait till it's my turn. And then when it was my turn, it wasn't like that. <laughs> um, and there were times where I felt like I should have things that other people had at my age at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the comparison uh, trap is definitely real. Yeah, it's a beast. I have fallen into it, but I've kind of coached myself out of that part. And, uh, you know, there were times where it was just like, I should be making this amount of money and I should be. Okay, Brooklyn going to Brooklyn. There have been many times where I thought that I should have a certain salary or I should be have a certain title or position because other people that I knew, uh, whether they were above me or on the same, you know, age level as myself, I thought that I should have. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of what I, now that I look back on it, a lot of what they had was just them taking advantage of opportunities that had presented itself itself to them during a certain time. Mm-hmm. And I just never had those, I didn't have those opportunities at that time with my experience level. So, you know, I kind of look back at my career and I can really see that a lot of the times I failed, quote unquote, and a lot of the times that I've succeeded had a lot to do with what was going on in the world, what 
product or a company I was working with, you know, and, uh, you know, it had nothing. Sometimes it had nothing to do with how good I was at something. Yeah. Uh, but it was really, uh, just a byproduct of just like what was happening. Uh, you know, I started out as an intern. How old were you when you started? I was 16, about to be 17. Dang. Uh, Mecca USA. Uh, I started there on and off in high school, thanks to my big brother, Phil. Rest in peace to Phil. Taught me a lot about the marketing, about the apparel business. Uh, just seeing these examples of people like my brother Phil and Tony Shellman, Shaka Wilson, uh, a lot of people just kind of allowed me to say that certain things were possible and I was able to like take advantage of doors that were open, uh, you know. But as I kind of came up and I started like climbing the ladder, things were just changing. Uh, going from an intern to a marketing manager to a marketing director in this uh, urban streetwear space, uh, you know, a lot of it was I had opportunities from these people that they opened doors for me and I took advantage of them. Yeah. And I was able to, I remember at a Nietzsche, we always talked about like, and Nietzsche was like graduate school, like learn as much as you could. Uh, I was able to be mentored by a bunch of people that was um, uh, really instrumental in like, you know, my growth and uh, my maturation. So, you know, I just saw all of this stuff and like, I wanted better. I wanted to climb the ladder. I remember uh, at a Nietzsche, our media buy was a million dollars a year. That sounds crazy to me. A million dollars a year. We're talking about like oh, yeah. billboards, bus shelters. Right. You know, the whole the whole nine yards in terms of like just outdoor um advertising. And this was at a time in early two thousands where, you know, you still saw brands bringing in a hundred million dollars plus. And then, you know, shifts in economy, shifts in like I I remember the big thing was the introduction of H and M. It was like H&M was like really stealing our dollars. Like, um, and then, you know, it used to be that there was a guy that would just wear all a Nietzsche, wear all Rockaware, wear, you know, academics or FUBU or whatever. And then H&M comes along and it's like, you know, here's these $50 jeans. Yeah. That you can just get the academic hoodies. Yes, exactly. And they kind of like changed the way people like spent and how they dressed. And it was like, you know, by the time I got to be the marketing director, like the media buy was not a million dollars. And like, I remember struggling to get 500,000. Which still sounds crazy to me. <laughs> to you, yes. But like anyone who's worked in corporate and had to take a brand's marketing initiatives on 
500,000 a year, it's like, it's really not a lot. Yeah. Like once you start, you know, producing content and then paying people, it's like not a lot left over after 12 months. And then, you know, you're doing ads and ad spend. So not a lot. Uh, and I just remember trying to justify like, why was it so good for these guys? Right? Like these guys had it great. And it was just a learning experience for me to like say things change and things are different. And, yeah. and the time is different. The time is different. And then, so yeah, I remember Tony Londo and myself, I remember we started a denim brand at the very moment that denim as a category for men was like falling off a cliff. And it was just like, we but were... that wasn't your reality because you still, you still liked your high end denim. Oh, I'm still... a, I'm a denim yeah. head. Like, so I'm... it wasn't, it wasn't the reality for you, yes. but for so many others. Yes. And at this time, like I just said before, like you got like H and M and Zara selling thirty to fifty dollar denim, mm -hmm. and uh, we we were trying to sell one hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy five dollar pairs of jeans, and like that's not even a lot. Like, it's a lot of money, but, you know, denim companies, you know, 300, 400, like, and there was just this shift in buying and, like, what people were buying for. Uh, I Off the top of my head, I can just realize, like, this was, like, early smartphone era. Like, yeah. Blackberries, uh, what was the other one? Um, it was, like, a, uh, the first smartphone or whatever. The, uh... With the, the pen. With the pen. I can't think yes. of the name. Can't think of the name. But this is like before the first iPhone or whatever. But like I the iPhone is coming. And, you know, I remember sitting there and people were like, you know, they're not buying two hundred dollar jeans, they're buying four hundred dollar phones. And I was just like, Okay. <laughs> and then when we start this denim brand, so the denim category in men's is trending towards like really inexpensive denim while we're selling expensive denim. And then the guy who was funding the whole deal did not believe in e-commerce. Yeah. He thought it was a fluke. Like, this man thought Amazon was a fluke in 2011. <laughs> no, this was 2014, because Christian was a big... Yes, yes, yeah, 2014. In 2014, this man who was writing the checks for this brand thought that e-commerce was a fluke mm -hmm. and that because he had done business in a certain way for the last 30 years, that that's the only way he knew how to make money and that's how we were only going to make it. I remember you being so frustrated. Pissed. You were so frustrated about this. Yeah. Because I had... Even places that I had worked before in the late 2000s, like we had a website. Yeah. Like we sold e-commerce. And this is even before, you know, broadband or whatever. Like we sold online. And it just didn't make sense to me. And uh, he didn't believe in social media. He's like, why do I need to spend money on social media? Social media is free. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to be like, well, yeah, social media is free, but what you put on it, that ain't free. Yeah. And... The crazy thing about it is, is that as in my head, like this whole thing is about to crash and burn mm -hmm. and like, it's like no good. So then 
at the same time, Laurent and I, while we're supposed to be working for the denim brand, Laurent was doing sales. I was handling the marketing. We started another brand. Yeah, and that just, you just randomly saw something on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was, I found this guy on Twitter. He's making these bags. It's luggage, it's travel bags, sneakerhead centric, super dope. Something we really hadn't seen. Never had never seen before. It was a luggage bag that had compartments for your sneakers. It's called the Shrine. Uh, I found this guy on Twitter. I reach out to him. We partnered. I get Laurent involved. And then we just, while we're doing this denim company, we start using the denim <laughs> company showroom as the showroom for the Shrine. And, you know, we're running like, we're running the real business out the front of the house, and then we're running like you know the starting up this other business out the back of the house. Yeah. So, and this time it's like let's get our website up, like let's get our social media game together, and like the the start of this company in terms of timing was just everything fell right because this is around the time that Instagram allows video mm-hmm. on the platform. Which is huge. Huge. Because the bag was very technical and we had these videos that allowed the consumer to see how the bag worked. Mm-hmm. And it, and how much you can pack into how it. How much you can pack into it. And I remember I used to, when you got me that GoPro, I used to do packing tutorials, like yeah. how to pack the bag. Three-day trip, five-day trip. Yeah. Like, how do you do this, right? So... We're in this showroom being paid for by the guy who doesn't believe in e-commerce <laughs> and we're creating this e-commerce business. Yes. And irony is just the irony tactic. is crazy. And once the once we were allowed to put videos on Instagram, I'm posting these videos of like tutorials on how to pack this bag. And then I'm taking this video and I'm like sending it to my friends. Like Yo, can you post this on your feed? Cause like we're just we're just getting started. We want to get the word out. So And it was also a different time in Instagram where the algorithm. There was none. There was it was just you post something and it's there. And if somebody someone follows you and they log on within like two or three hours or whatever, then they saw whatever you posted. Yeah. There was no depending on how many people they follow. Yes. So one of my boys from Chicago, Hustle Simmons, I send him this video and he posted on his Instagram. And we get a couple of followers, people are commenting. It was great. Some guy jumps in the DMs talking about, hey, yo, I'm LeBron James's manager. Uh, yo, LeBron needs this bag. And I'm looking at him like, yo, whatever, dude. <laughs> Going about my business. And then like 10 minutes later, I get a call from Hustle Simmons and he's like, yo, my boy, he's LeBron James's manager. He wants to get LeBron a bag. Like, oh, that was real? That was real? Like, <laughs> And then the funny part was like, Hustle was like, yo, if LeBron gets a bag, you know I got to get a bag. Like, I, so, but it was real. And um, so we get LeBron a bag. We give, got some bags to um, his partner that contacted us. His name is Randy Mims. And the company was based in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. These guys just happened to be playing Golden State Warriors in the Bay. So there was an exchange of the bag. Initially, LeBron loved it so much that he wanted to invest in the company, but he couldn't. Right. His deal with Nike, there's nothing he could do. 
So he turns around and he's like, I'm going to introduce you to Dwayne Wade. And his crazy. So we're still doing this denim company. Um, we set up a meeting with uh, my boy Niles. He's my boy now, but Niles and uh, uh, I think it was um, uh, Dwayne Wade's manager. They come to the denim company showroom. We do this full presentation. We give them the full <laughs> business plan. Like, this is what we need. Boom. And uh, they loved everything, but they weren't committal, committed to, you know, saying this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And then about 10 minutes after they left the showroom, Dwayne Wade posts it on Instagram. And bonkers. Bonkers. Goes crazy. Zero to 100 real quick. Like new followers, new demand. Like we didn't even have a stock. An inventory. Right. Y'all were just like rushing stuff from the factory. Yes, to get samples, yeah. to give to LeBron, to give to Dwayne. And it was just like we had no inventory. Mm -hmm. And then at this point, it was like, you know, like we have something here. And I just always think about like these early days of Instagram and social media marketing and the influencers. Like, you know, obviously... You know, Dwayne Wade is a high-level influencer. You yeah. Know, even back then. He's a celebrity. He's a celebrity. And the crazy part about this was that when I met the designer and the person who would become my partner for this company, and we started, like, putting out these plans, like, I remember writing down a list mm -hmm. of people that I wanted to get this bag to. LeBron was on the list. Dwayne Wade was on the list. And, like, I had no idea. I had no connection to these people. I had no idea how it was going to happen. But just put it out there and started doing the work and started, you know, just hustling it up. And without, but the key to that, though, I think, is um, you just do the work without being like, how am I going to get to these yes. people? How am I going to do this? How, are, how do I get here? You how just, do I become successful? How do I make this successful? And it's just like. Right. You just have to do the work. You just have to kind of step out into the unknown. Yeah. And not worry about how it's going to happen, because honestly, it never happens the way you think it will happen. Mm -hmm. Like you have an idea, but that's really just like your direction. But a lot of people kind of get caught up in it has to happen the way I think it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And luckily for me, I never really subscribed to that. It was just like. This is what I want to happen. I'm going to put in the work, but then I'm open to the opportunities that may happen along the way that gets me from where I am, where I am to where the goal. Yeah. And then it was just everything just set up the next thing. And, you know, we go from zero dollars in sales, not having it in any inventory to 1.5 million in sales 18 months later. Crazy. And the whole thing about that list of celebrities and people that I wanted with the bag, I knocked out of the 12 people that I put on that list, I got to get 10 of them off. And most of them came in one fell swoop because <laughs> later on, my boy Laurent and my boy Jeff Sanchez at the NBA created a collaboration 
with the Shrine and the NBA to be the official bag of the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game when the Celebrity All-Star Game was here in New York. So all of these celebrities that I wanted with the bag when they walked into Madison Square Garden to get ready for the game, the bag was waiting for them in their lock. We also did that gifting suite. I remember. Yes, remember Anthony, Anderson. Anthony Anderson. Anthony yep, Anderson. Yep, yep. Um, I remember bringing Christian there. Yeah, yeah. We had pictures. Had picture of yep. the two of you together with the bag. He was so tiny. Yep, yep. He there was the uh, the guys that were doing the sunglasses. They love Christian. Oh, yeah, Put yeah. Christian in. But yeah, like we had no idea that this was going to happen, right. right? And it's just like the NBA. Like, how could you even fathom that you have? you would have a, a collaboration with the NBA. Like, Take it a step further. We actually had a licensing deal right. with the NBA. And the NBA... And Foot Locker, right? Well, it was... We had a we had a distribution deal oh, okay. or, you know, to sell through Foot Locker, which mm-hmm. we had. But we had a licensing deal to make NBA-branded bags, mm-hmm. and we just never executed it. Various reasons. Yeah. <laughs> But we never, things just fell in line for us because we were just doing the work. Yeah. And we were just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And it was the perfect time for a bag like that because no one had ever seen it before. And the fact that you guys got with the NBA and LeBron and D-Wade and the shoe, the, the shoe compartments could fit up to size 14 was 16. 16. Yes, the shoes. Like, it was perfect. Yeah, the sneaker compartments could fit up to a size 16. And the bags were, like, an individual bag was meant to travel for, like, three to five days, mm-hmm. right? And then at the same time, the trend in travel was shorter travel. Weekender trips, mm-hmm. like, leave on a Friday, come back on a Monday. Yeah. Right. And then younger people started traveling more and it was just like for fun. And so it was like all of these things coming together for this one brand and this one product. And it was like, it was the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm. But we put ourselves out there. Like we didn't really know that it was going to work or whatever. And I remember we wanted our core customer to be sneakerheads. Like we would go do sneaker shows and like, you know, um, sneaker con and all of this stuff. But when I started looking at the data and the metrics and like what was going on, it was like people like me in their thirties traveled a lot for work, mm-hmm. had a little bit of money, love sneakers, but love to travel, love watches, love certain things. And it was like, that was really our customer. Yeah. And it that's wasn't. when you started doing the videos for that customer. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, the flyest sneakers. It was just like, you yes. know. Yes, it was like, let's 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 fly to Long Beach because Long Beach has an outdoor uh, uh, airport. Yeah. And we could gorilla a photo shoot at uh, an airport mm-hmm. because we found out real quick that if you try to take pictures inside of an airport, like, it's shut not. Shut you down. down. They'll shut you down. <laughs> so... And it was just like, you know, we just had to like keep changing, keep like readjusting and kind of figuring it out. And that was around a time that like you were at JetBlue. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know, she has these flight benefits that's supposed to just be used for personal travel. (laughs) But the bad company is headquartered in San Francisco. I'm in New York. So sometimes I would just like, I'd get on a, 6 a.m. flight, be in Cali by 9, 
have meetings, get some work done, you know, have some dinner, and then I'm back on the uh, red eye. The red eye to be back the next day. Yeah. And it was like you know, using uh, the flight benefits like you know, like it was Uber Amen. taking cabs <laughs> back and forth. Do what you gotta do. It worked out. It did, but it was like, had you not been working there, like none of this like really happened. And then, mm-hmm. at the time, you're a database administrator. I have all of this data. I have no no idea what to do with this data. I can see that what I'm doing is working, but I couldn't explain it. And then I remember taking these Excel sheets, downloading from Shopify sales reports yeah. and uh, I believe Google Analytics and downloading these reports and then handing it over to you. Which is just like a blob of numbers. Yes. Blob of words and numbers. And he was like, can you do something? And she comes back with like charts and graphs and all of this. And now I can explain. And that's when it kind of like really opened up my eyes. Like, yeah. okay, like now we got to. I, I need to leverage data to like make decisions and to, you know, see if what I'm doing to justify everything that I'm doing. And it was yeah. like the first time that it was like, okay, you know, part of my maturation and growth that you helped me with. And I think you are the first person to use words like sexy spreadsheet. Mm, sexy data. Oh, sexy data. So, you know, just that whole time. And it was just like, that's at the beginning of, our marriage yeah because yeah because it started um i was still pregnant when you were doing um the back the denim brand yes because i remember going down to the showroom with you one time and when i was pregnant with christian i could not eat anything sweet and i remember going to um, Garrett's popcorn on 42nd Street and getting some popcorn and throwing up like 10 minutes later because of the caramel. Yeah. And I was like, dang it, another thing I can't eat. <laughs> yeah. And you were at JetBlue at the time. Yeah. And what were you, what was the side? Um, At that time, I don't think I was doing anything at all. It was, yeah, at that time I wasn't doing anything. So she's at JetBlue and like, let's, when I was dating before uh, Michaela and my first marriage, I never dated anyone in fashion. I never, I would never date anyone that I worked with, certainly. And I never dated, I, I, I tried to stay away from women in fashion. Like there was always like this weird kind of competition there mm-hmm. that like I wanted no parts of. I remember like just having a conversation a quasi date with this girl and she'd asked me like what was going on at work and I was just like a marketing assistant at the time like no big deal and then like I start talking about like what's going on um and it just turned into well this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm doing and then it's just like oh this is weird like yeah I don't think I want to do this <laughs> so like I would literally like you know, my ex-wife was an educator. Like, you know, Michaela worked, I think it was ADP when we met. Uh, yeah, I was working at ADP. Yeah, so I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything with anyone in fashion. Yeah. And now I'm married to <laughs> Michaela, who has her own clothing company she started and a brand, and we're in a retail space that we have. That we run together. <laughs> and we run together. So, you know... 
when uh, you make plans, God laughs. Uh, Pretty much. Because I would have never thought I'd be here. I mean, starting off, like you said, as a database administrator, I've been doing that for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And, and going from, I always just wanted to do something else. I loved my work. I loved databases. I loved IT. I was always kind of teaching myself something extra. So I was teaching myself how to use Dreamweaver to build websites. Dreamweaver. And, and um, Photoshop just to edit photos or, you know, do some graphics and stuff like that. I just, I just enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. So I was just always teaching myself something. And um, it from there, it turned into me wanting to do this fashion website. Cause I also like photography. And I'm like, okay, well, I can like do street style and I can take pictures of people on the street and I can talk about fashion news. And, you know, that's just kind of where it started. And that was like, what was it called again? Fashion Junk. Fashion. Fashionjunk.com. This was like 2005, maybe around there. And um, I didn't know anything about how to get people to the site. I built it and I was like populating it with content and I was taking photographs even though I was a little afraid to like actually walk up to somebody and ask them if I could take their picture um but I was still doing it but I didn't know how to get people to the site so very important (laughs) you just have this idea that like you know that's how they made it, it seem in like the commercials, right? Like, you know, <laughs> hosting a website or like Shopify, like as soon as you press that button to like go live on your website, you're just gonna see all of this. People are here. Oh. Oh my God. There's a new site, Fashion Jungle. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, no, it doesn't quite work that way. No. And I didn't know how to get people to the site. So I'm like, okay, well maybe this isn't a good idea. So I let that go and then um, I had a friend who owned a vintage shop on Classen, no, yep. Franklin. It was on Franklin. She owned a vintage shop on Franklin, and um, we'd always go there. But I always like thrifting, even when I was living in Chicago. Like always thrifting, and I thought, okay, well, I can start a vintage resale shop online. It'd be easy. People can just find something easily. You know, I just I don't, I don't know why I thought this would all be easy. And so I built it, which was easy for me, built the site and I was taking the pictures and I did the whole thing. Uh, but again, just didn't know how to get people. Very important, by the way. <laughs> Had no idea about marketing whatsoever. You were telling me about fashion junk and I had no idea about the thrifting world. Like I remember it was like brand new to me. Like, <laughs> that's a thing. Okay. It, it it was a huge thing. It, you know, it, it was. Huge. It is. I remember at the time, like all these vintage shops had yeah. started popping up. You know what I mean? And it was. Just like, oh, wow, this is the thing. Yeah, and so that obviously didn't go well because I didn't know how to market again. But then I thought, you know what? Maybe it's just that I don't know how to market, so I don't have to market if I get other people mm-hmm. to do their own marketing because I would build this vintage marketplace. Right, online mall. an online mall where a whole bunch of different vintage resellers could come, sure, sell their stuff, different. and I don't have to do any marketing because they're going to market their own. Yeah, that didn't that didn't work out either. 
No. A lot of work. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. I mean, just building the the technology for that yeah. was a lot, and having to work with that um, developer, that developer in India, it was just it was a lot. And he I was like, you know what? India. Oh my god, he was Vanessa. He was like, oh, I spent eight hours doing all of this stuff. Is it done? No. But you spend eight hours doing exactly. I even had to jump in for you a couple of times. You did. We did. Why we like... we funded somebody's college. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. but that just I don't know. I just couldn't get it together. So I was like, you know what? This isn't for me right now. This is just not it. So that's we got together. I wasn't doing anything with anything. It was just work. Just work. Yep. Married. Christian, you started the denim brand, you started Shrine. And I think for me, that was the first time I'd seen something from the ground up. Being built. Yeah, and I I was just like, wow, you can actually do this. Like, you can actually build something, have people buy it, make money. What's, what, you said like 2014? Yeah. This is the time of, uh, in my thought process where I was like, content is king. Mm-hmm. Like content, content, content. Like And y'all created some dope content for both. For both. For the shrine and for Billwell. Like those are some you y'all man. I still have that stuff. I still have those images and stuff. Oh my gosh. So good. And yeah. everything was on a budget. You know, just guerrilla style. Yeah. You know, getting kicked out of places, trying to shoot, just, you know, have a van a block away, jump out, get a shot in. Yeah, but that's but that taught me two things though. That one, you can actually build something from the ground up and be successful and make money, whatever. Yeah. But two, content is king. Like content, is content really, really matters. And um it wasn't until wasn't until twenty at the end of twenty fourteen that I was like, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could build a business. And I really, and still at that point, never registered um, that it could be, no, it never registered that it could be like a full-time thing. Yes. I'd always assumed I'd be at JetBlue for a very long time um, and that this would just be something I could do on the side. And so I just started researching like trade shows and the brands that I like and that, you know, what kind of, clothing what I want to sell and of course everything always revolved back to prints and back to color and um, resort wear and uh, statement pieces and that sort of thing and oh wow oh man that really taught me something too anyway so um, I was like I can do this I can and because I'd seen him do it I'm like oh I could do this so I go to trade shows. He helps me figure out what to say. Cause I, I obviously knew absolutely nothing about the fashion world at all. And so he was like, okay, these are the things that you talk about with the buyers. These are the things that you want to make sure to mention when they say this, they mean that. And that was really helpful. Like I went in there a lot more confident yeah. because you were You're kind of coaching me. Yeah. Um, but again, the marketing end of it failed. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get people to the site. Got to get people to the site. And uh, yeah, I knew nothing about that. But that's when I started to learn more about influencers and yeah. the impact 
they could potentially have on the business if it's the right if it's the right, right pairing, product right the right pairing of yeah, influencer yeah. and product yeah, yeah. um because we worked with um jessica haycourt yes yes um, yes yes we worked with her we did that photo shoot in aruba and that month, I had like a $1,500 month. And I was like, wow, what? Yo, I thought I was killing. Sales, sales, sales. I thought I was killing with $1,500. And at the time, for me, I was. That was killer. And, um, but yeah, that was like probably the most I'd ever done <laughs> in sales. But it was, you know. Sidebar, it, we still have a lot of these clues yeah. in our basement right now. We should probably do something with us. Probably. <laughs> um, but it lost my train of thought. Oh, influencers. So it it really let me see that like influencers can have a good impact yeah. on the business. And I remember not trying to talk you out of the retail business, but like this is really hard. Yeah. Like it and in terms of fashion, the fashion and apparel business. The retail end of it is the hardest. Like, you know, a designer can convince a buyer to bring in their line easier than a store owner can convince someone to buy something new at a store. Yeah. It's really, really, really tough. And I remember you saying that not as a discouragement, yep. like, don't do it, but like, it was almost kind of encouraging, yes. you know, because I was just struggling with like, I'm just not doing this right. I'm not doing well. And you're like, but this is a really hard business. Yes. So like, just don't tough. feel bad. Keep going. Yeah. Even though you had other things. So I've been in the fashion business pretty much my whole young adult life, adult life. And when people on my side of the fence, so to speak, see people trying to come on to this side we're just like well how bad do you really want this right like we'll encourage you make it happen but it's just like make it happen like it's not as easy as it looks it is very hard yeah let me see you do this and on the other side Michaela wanted no help she would just be I'd be like well you should no no I want to do this cool you might need some cliff notes you got a cheat sheet over here but she wanted to do it on her own so i like you know hands off and even from that time and even into like the beginning of dressed in joy it was like a lot of my friends would be like yo man your wife's killing it i see you over there coaching her up like bruh she don't want to know if i she doing all of this on her own <laughs> like i tried man i tried to i tried to let her know i tried to give her so whatever you see that you like that she's killing, that's all on her because she she tunes me out. Like, <laughs> you're a, you're in men's marketing. I'm doing women's. It's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. cool. <laughs> and then at some point it was just like I look up and she's like doing so well that I'm like, holy shit, you're doing this. <laughs> this is really cool. Like, yes, let's go. But yeah, I was very I tried to be hands-on, she didn't want it, and then I just was totally hands-off, like, if she did ask for help, which she did with the trade shows, which she did with, you know, just having conversations and understanding certain things, yeah. I was always there. 
remember we just posted in our stories the video from mm -hmm. the first photo shoot. So I was her intern on a photo shoot, uh, steaming clothes, prepping the set, doing whatever. Took a day off from my nine to five to help her with that. So, you know, even though in the back of my mind, I was like, go ahead. If you want to do this by yourself, I was still there to support. And mind you, I didn't even know this, that he had this like mindset until today. Yeah. Because we just had this conversation, this exact conversation, by the way. <laughs> we just had this conversation prior and I didn't record it. I, you know, user error. I didn't yeah. hit the record button. Um, so we're having this conversation again, and that was the first time yep. that you told me. So I was just like, listen, you want to do this all by yourself? Oh, my God. No doubt. But then, it, you know, it was like, you know, as a person in the fashion business, it's like, like, you hear it all the time. Oh, I'd love to work in fashion. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I bet. It's like me saying, I'd love to be a basketball player in the NBA. Like, yeah, I bet you would. That was nice. Yes, because working in fashion is comparable to being in the NBA. There's no salary cap in fashion. True. Oh, true. You know, true, true. There's, there's, you know, there's no limit on what you can make here, but it's to get to a level that is comparable to the NBA, it is just as hard in fashion to get to that level. Like, you know, if if your stuff is in major retailers, yeah. That's like playing, we used to call it like, yo, we playing, you're in the league. Like, yo, you grad, you know, you got drafted. Like now you're so in, I'm the in the D league right now. No, you're like, <laughs> you're like in Spain. Like you're in the Spanish league. Like okay, okay. It's, it's the, the highest level of basketball underneath the NBA. I'll take it. Yes. I'll take it. <laughs> but yes. if we go back to dressed and joy and like the beginning of that and how it was just like, okay, this idea of hoodie. Yeah. Um, and it started right before the pandemic. So it was like November 2019. And then pandemic hit March 2020 mm -hmm. and everybody wanted to be comfortable, but also stylish. Yeah. Couldn't go Feel anywhere. Good. Couldn't go anywhere. So shopping was, retail therapy was a thing. It was right. real. And everybody was on their phones looking at content. Reels was just, you know, gearing up. You were on those reels I super early. Yeah, man. I used that stuff. Yep. And to I, my benefit. And it really, really worked. And it's like just, once again, the perfect storm of the right product, the right landscape in terms of like customers yeah. and like the right you know just idea and even honestly we didn't talk about this before but honestly the pandemic was a hard time for a lot of people mm -hmm. and your use of reels and your content which obviously a lot of it is about joy and happiness and you know bringing that through the fashion like you were making people happy like yeah. in a time where it was really tough for people to, you know, hold on to their sanity. Like mm -hmm. it was like, you know, cooped up in the house, couldn't go out, couldn't do the things that you normally do. Yeah. And what if you lived alone? What if you lived with roommates that you didn't like? Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it was crazy. So those, and then on top of that, the clothes really brought joy. I mean, I've gotten yeah DMs from people like, you brought me out of 
I think a bad time. I saw comments yesterday where people are just like, "Oh my goodness, the, you know, the joyfulness and the ha- yeah, just the 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 happiness that you made this with just kind of comes through yeah. in everything." And people needed that as that thought, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and it just spread because people were just sharing it. Like, "Oh my gosh, they, you're so happy in these clothes. You feel so good. You want to share it with everybody. You're posting it on social in your stories, and it's just like." kind of spread yeah, yeah that way so it's like you know one thing led to another and like the timing and the stars aligned for it to go from one level to the next level to the next level to the next level right and i wasn't even intentional about that about starting this business i was so intentional about fashion junk about the vintage about you know the, the Tudor Joy. I was so intentional about what I wanted for that. But with this, it was just like, oh. Passion project. I want this. Yeah, I want this hoodie. I don't see it. I'm going to design it. And then obviously you can you find them everywhere now. Like everybody's making printed hoodies. But yeah, um, it was just like, I want this for myself. Yeah. And I, that is where, when I think back to what I was talking about earlier in um, you know, wanting all these statement pieces and how I found my lane here is um, I was I was buying clothes for people when I had the other business, buying clothes for people maybe who were going on vacation. And it was like, you know, a statement piece that maybe you're only going to wear once or twice or you're not going to be able to wear often. Um, and my lane now is completely different. Yeah. My lane is something that you can wear when you go to Target, that you can wear you go to brunch with your girls you can wear to both the same the same pair of pants i can wear to target and i can wear to brunch with my girls like i'm designing for the everyday woman who still wants to look cute in clothes that make her feel comfortable and um that really helped me see like looking back at just now looking back at where i was as far as you know bringing in pieces that were statement pieces and you know stand out and you gotta Resort wear, yeah, something just, you'd wear like, you know, just on vacation. Right. It works for some people, but I think just for me and my customer, like, yep. the versatility is what's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's even, we look at like the dress and joy being born, so to speak, and um, how... That just all kind of came together with the timing of the pandemic, the timing of reels, the timing of you trying to figure out the influencer space. Yeah. Right. Because we used to have those conversations like, you know, well, how do influencers take this to another level? And it's like, well, you already have an audience like now you need a product Mm -hmm. because other people were doing it. You saw it. And we, you know, we'd always have these conversations, but just. Like, even if we go back to all of these timeline events and, you know, when, what did we say in the last conversation? It was like, when I had gotten separated from my ex-wife and I had a moment there where it was like, uh, am I getting into a relationship too soon? Yeah. Right. And I had these conflicting thoughts where one was like, yo, you're doing this way too fast. Like you need to give yourself time. Like you got to sort some things out. You got to do this. 
But then the other side of my Gemini brain was like, but what if you miss out on her? Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, it's crazy how you and I bumping into each other at a bar was just like the first domino to fall in everything we just talked about. Yeah, right. But even before that, though, because I was supposed to go to Atlantic City. Yep, you weren't we even supposed to be planned, No, we had planned to go to Atlantic City for my friend's 30th birthday. And at the last minute, maybe like that Wednesday or Thursday, she was like, you know what? I don't think I want to go. And so my friend was throwing this party. She was working with promoters and throwing this party. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess we can just go to this party. Um, I think it was the day before her 30th. So she'd be like partying into her. Th anyway. Um, so she had a table. I had a little vodka. She was there with her boyfriend. So I was there really third wheel, but I knew a lot of people at the party. So I'm just like floating around, mm -hmm. talking to people, laughing it up. And I got thirsty, needed some water. You had just come to the bar. So it's like. I just walked into the just party. Just walked into the party, went straight upstairs to the bar. Stairs here, bars here, right? And I'm floating around here, da 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 boom. Like, it just happened so fast. Yeah, it did. She she stumbles. She almost falls. I catch her. Yep. Conversation starts. Like, you can't tell me yeah. that there was no higher power involved in that. Because in the slipping, the falling, the catching, yeah. it's like I'm sitting there like, hey, <laughs> oh, hey, hey and you, oh, what's going on there? I'll be your white uh, knight in shining armor right now. <laughs> Saved you from a uh... embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I wasn't even supposed to be there that night. I didn't want to go out. Right. Like I was at home. I think I was playing like Call of Duty or something. Mm -hmm. Like. Just wallowing in my sorrows and <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going nowhere. And, you know, uh, Tamika, my sister and my boy Stanley convinced me to go out. And then, you know, 10 years later, yeah, right. we're no. uh, 13, 12 and a half, 12 yeah. and a half. But, you know, we're going to celebrate 10 years of marriage. In May. In May. Yeah. Not without the struggle. Not without the struggle. And that's. You know, we've talked about this, you know, on, a, on our Instagram or whatever, but like, we actually loosely like manifested this, not even loosely, like we've talked about just what we wanted, what the, I think it was more the lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like, yep. this is the lifestyle that we want to live. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that it was going to come from dressed in joy. We didn't know that it was going to come from anything or how it was going to happen. And I think in the, in the, in, you know, the episode is called timing, right? And like, we did this to show everyone that like, things always, things don't always happen uh, the way you want them to. Or expect them to. Or expect them to. But like, if you kind of step out into the unknown mm -hmm. and you, make your intentions known. This is what you want. Like you go work for it because even people, you know, we'll post some stuff on our Instagram or she'll post it on Instagram and tag me as a collaborator with, and people will be like, Oh, you know, a couple goals. And it's like, no, dude, like this is well earned. Like we went through a lot of stuff to even get to the point where 
we are now where we're like 10 years into the marriage. Yeah. Like, you know, even right now with the business, like, people are like, oh, and, you know, you guys are killing it and crushing it. And it's like, no, we're not. But we're still, <laughs> you know, we're, still pushing. we're at another level. Yes. And we're struggling with where to go at this level mm -hmm. and how to keep it going. Right. So things are always hard. Right. Like you can be the best at something and like just the way things turn out in terms of the timing, it may or may not work. The timing might be the reason why it works. The timing might be the reason why it doesn't. Work. Yeah, exactly. But you still have to believe that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Like I've always wanted to be in fashion. She always wanted to be in fashion, but we took different routes. Yeah. You know, like I interned at 16. I had a gang of mentors. I went to college. I studied marketing and advertising. I came up in, you know, this world. She did not. Right. I designed a hoodie. <laughs> so <laughs> she self-taught like and I'm like, you know, I was the student at uh, the teacher's feet, like, you know paying attention to all the lessons, right? Yeah. And, um, but we are here at the same place, mm -hmm. doing the same thing, working on the same thing. And, you know, I always thought that I'd have my own brand. I've tried several times. Yes. And I think we, we had this conversation, I think when we first started like um, filming stuff was like, I always thought that I needed a team mm -hmm. and that I needed partners like I'll do this and you do that and you know whatever and all of these entrepreneurial endeavors I had basically you know just wasn't successful and you know I've said to her before like I had the wrong partner like she's she's the right partner in marriage and yeah. all of it right so it's like one timing does play a big factor in personal and uh, professional success, but you only realize that if you continue to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would have never known the fact that you guys just saw me realize the whole statement piece versus classic pieces. Like mm -hmm. the, the way the two businesses are completely different. Yeah. I just realized that now yeah. as I'm talking. So you started, you just don't know. Yeah. And then it went to the joggers. Which you hated. I, yeah. <laughs> so Michaela comes home and she says, you know, she's going to do these all over print joggers. And like the first thing I, that popped in my head was like, there's just going to be a bunch of women <laughs> running around looking like wrestlers, like. Macho man. Macho man Randy <laughs> Savage is, you know, just, oh, yeah. And she was like. You thought it was a terrible idea. I thought it was a horrible idea. She did it anyway. I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. That's how she does. And then she started selling more. And it was just like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I was right all along. <laughs> I've always backed you on that one. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> you know, we hope you take something from this. Uh, 
because this conversation that we're having right now, like th these are conversations that we literally will be having on our couch mm -hmm. or in like the car when we're driving somewhere. And Michaela would be like, we need to start a podcast because like people would love. That is so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are, right? Like we hope that something that we just talked about that shares our, you know, uh, our, us sharing our experiences and how we got here just helps you wherever you are right now, mm -hmm. right? Because you might have a failure and like you might internalize it to think that it's you. And it's like, no, it's not always you. Yeah. You need to learn what you did in the course of the failure, quote unquote, but like learn from it. And maybe it maybe is you. Like it was me. I didn't I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know that I need to know anything about marketing and that was my fault. Maybe that's the lesson. You're right. And that was my lesson and that was what I learned and that is what I built. That's that's the skill that I built. Yeah, you did. Because once you got into the once you got into the reels and creating your own content, yeah. You started, you know, talking like, I know my following. I know my customer. And it's like, that's literally what marketing is. Mm -hmm. Marketing is like the science of consumer behavior and what gets people to spend money. Mm -hmm. Like that's all marketing is. So like after the first two ventures didn't work out for her, she started digging into the part that she didn't have the knowledge of. Right. Unintentionally. Unintentionally, but it happened. Yeah, because I was just creating the content and then I was like, oh, and it was just creating for myself and my personal brand because I wanted to do the influencer stuff. Yep. And it just snowballed and yeah, one just... thing led to another. But like you didn't know how to get from A to Z, mm -hmm. but you just did it. And it's like that And I'm still not a Z yet, y'all. I'm yeah. like S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but that's just, you know, people will come to you for advice and the real advice is is like you have to kind of dive in for yourself yeah and figure it out for you and your brand like what works for dressed in joy might not work for whatever you're doing but like just knowing that you have to do the work and figure that part of it out you know what i mean it's like that's the whole thing yeah timing does help you know, but, you know, either you're going to learn or you're going to win. And, you know, that's just where it is. Yeah. So thanks, y'all. Thanks for joining us. If you got this far, we appreciate you spending this time <laughs> with us. We didn't bore you to tears. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. Laughing at my own jokes. Um, but, yeah, man, like, we hope you take something from this. Um, we hope you can learn something from this. And we hope it helps you on your journey. And we hope you keep listening. Yes. That's it. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>